Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, City Fan. Hollywood couldn't have scripted it better. As the relegation candidates do battle, the title hopefuls head into the final stretch neck and neck. But who is the villain? Lotito, De Laurentiis, or Dr. Evil's Investcore? We'll discuss all that and the rest of the action in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to the show. Uh, we're back with you after an extended break due to family holidays, major home refurbishments, and a bit of post-World Cup playoff depression, it must be said. Uh, Serie A is seriously into the business end of the season now, with a title challenge raging on, and the relegation battle also far from over. Uh, We'll get into all of that in due course, but first of all, Boaz, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Kenny. Uh, It's great to be back talking to you, and uh, I feel a bit refreshed as I've visited uh, Italy in the past couple of weeks and got to enjoy the beautiful country and uh, the great food, of course. Lovely. I am very, very jealous of you. And uh, have you got a beer this evening? Yeah, I'm drinking just a punk IPA, keeping it uh, pretty real. Nice. I've got a a beer that I've saved for for this occasion, actually. It was brewed by Brewdog and it's a United for Ukraine beer. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's uh, one of their beers that they brewed um, so they could uh, send 100% of the the revenues for humanitarian causes for for the people of Ukraine. And it's actually also a very good beer. So I think it was a a crate of 12. Uh, I got it a couple of weeks ago and I had to save the last one and kind of eye it uh, in in the fridge for, for a few days. Considering we've we've postponed the day of recording of this podcast uh, by now by a week, uh, that beer is probably shouting out to you for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very disciplined, disciplined performance uh, from myself, I must say. Uh, right, Boaz, we've got so much to get through, and most of it's just from this week. Uh, <laughs> so let's get straight to that title race i reckon and we'll start with milan who as we record still sit top of the table by two points uh, obviously inter have that game in hand still milan off the back of that dramatic game against lazio at the olimpico and it did look like lazio were going to seriously put a dent in the rossoneri's title aspirations going one nil up and then looking like they were going to see the game out for a point after Milan had equalized. But Boaz, the dramatic winner at the end from from Tonali, it really was a great game, really, really enjoyable. I mean, did you did you enjoy it? Were, were you able to enjoy it? And can I just ask you, how outstanding was Sandro Tonali? He's really become the heartbeat of the, the title push, hasn't he? So first of all, to answer your first question, was I able to enjoy it? Um, I hated every moment of it until the 92nd minute. I expected nothing less. And even at that point, I wasn't sure if the goal was going to be allowed, if uh, if Lazio might just pip Milan and get one more goal towards the end. So basically, I was a nervous wreck for the entire 90 minutes, plus uh, 
any added time. Not, not a great uh, evening for me, I have to say. But moving swiftly to Sandro Tonali, uh, his contribution to the title push, particularly in the last few games, has been remarkable. And considering the fact that he was a slight disappointment last year for some, I, I thought he did pretty all right. But uh, he's come he's come along leaps and bounds this year, and he's really been the face of this Milan team and uh, such a young player, so much uh, potential. Uh, sad that we won't see him at the World Cup. Yet. We, we won't see him at the World Cup yet. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I have to say, I really enjoyed his post-match uh, comments as well, where he was saying, you know, we've been we've been up at the top for all this time and people keep telling us that we're we're not the best team and that we're not going to we're not going to win it, but we're still there. And I don't know, it was kind of reminiscent. I, I know he said when he signed for Milan that he uh, kind of viewed himself more as a Gattuso type player. And that's who he was wanting to emulate rather than Pirlo, who obviously who he had attracted uh, a lot of comparisons with. But yeah, I mean, I think I think we really kind of are are seeing that. Um, and, you know, he's kind of proving as important to, to, to Milan or emerging to, to look as though you could be as important to, to Milan as uh, as Gattuso was. Despite his young age, he's uh, already a great influence in the changing room, which can't be ignored. Um, I think we should probably spend a few words on the likes of Giroud and uh, Leao, who were also very, very good in this game. And yeah. in general, have been have also been better than I expected, at least. Uh, I, di- I didn't know what to expect from Giroud this season, but he's come up with some really important goals. Uh, throughout the season and uh, it looks like he's gelled really well with the rest of the team which is always nice and his Italian's great specifically for Leao I'm still waiting for him to make that definitive explosion but I feel that part of the fact that uh, he fades in and out of games is because sometimes there's there isn't another creative player such as him on the pitch so when teams double up on him he he kind of as I said wanders out of the game but against Lazio he was a, a real joy to watch yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I think he's really sort of beginning. We're, we're starting to see the, the kind of player that he's going to become, uh, aren't we? Uh, just ho- hopefully that, that progression continues. Uh, but I, I also wanted to have a, a special mention for Pioli going flying in his arse as well in the goal celebrations, which I thought was a, a wonderful a wonderful moment. Against his former team as well. So you, you yeah. would have thought that he might show some restraint. but no. <laughs> Nope. Not at all. Uh, right. I mean, Milan certainly have the, the tougher run-in uh, of the, the two remaining challengers to the to the Scudetto, I'd say. I'd argue, actually, though, that Milan seem to get the better results or the better performances, at least when they're up against the, the, the big guns. How do you feel about the, the last four games? Does the fact that there, there's not really any classic or that there aren't as many classic banana skins there for, for Milan? I mean, they're games that they could realistically, you know, be expected to, to drop points in. Do you kind of see that as potentially like a sort of uh, a hidden encouragement that, that Milan do seem to really get up for these games? I think perhaps um, looking at the calendar, as you said, the Milan run-in is slightly harder. And particularly the match against Atalanta is one that I've penciled in, although um, yeah. we'll get onto it later, but... Atalanta today are not the same Atalanta we saw this time last year. But at the same time, um, conceivably, I could see both Milan and Inter winning all their remaining games. So it wouldn't be enough for Milan. But I think that ultimately they can only do the best that they can do and hope that Inter slip up somewhere. 
Yeah, I mean, it would be quite something if they did all win all of their remaining games. Uh, if we just just looking at the points total, it, it looks like they they average just over uh, a couple of points per game. So that would indicate that with four or five games left, depending on which team you're talking about, there are points there to be to be dropped. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. Be interesting to see. We we should move on to, to Inter, but before we do that. Um, we kind of have to talk about this InvestCorp takeover, which reportedly could go through in a matter of days. Uh, despite what I think was a lot of skepticism at the beginning, the Elliott ownership appears to have gone almost exactly, possibly even better than planned. Boz, your thoughts on this deal as a Milan fan? Is this the, the dawn of a new era? First of all, apparently we are unable to clear the sample of um, Dr. Evil from Austin Powers saying $1 million. <laughs> but... but uh, I have to say that InvestCorp sounds awfully like a copy-paste <laughs> name. What what do we do? We invest. What are we? A corporation? InvestCorp. But <laughs> um, that being said, with the very generic name, it is a exciting dawn of a new era for Milan fans, at least, and, and potentially for the entire league. But it's nice to see that uh, one of these huge funds is uh, investing in Italy rather than in England yeah. um, for a change. Yeah. Or, or Paris. Right. I mean, let, let's talk about Inter, who are firing on all cylinders, it would appear. Really hugely impressive performance against Roma, who has to be said, were pretty much the most informed team in the league coming into this. I mean, they, they, they do. I know that you're, you're a Milan fan, so you don't want to hear this from me, but they do look like Scudetto winners in, in the waiting, wouldn't you say, Boaz? We need to go back to a few games to the match at, against uh, Juventus where um, Inter were really on quite a bad run and it it looked like the title might slip away from them. But instead, they somehow won a game that probably they didn't play too well in and it probably one of the better games in uh, Allegri's current tenure at Juventus. And since then, it's kind of... It, it's a completely different team on the pitch. They, they're playing... Uh, they're playing very fluid football. They're... They seem to be uh, getting goals quite easily. And uh, yeah, it's been a really good run for them. They do have two more matches than Milan do, which yeah. could contribute to some fixture congestion. But as I said, they could conceivably win all of the games. And what struck me is that it's been a relatively uninteresque in- uh, season in the sense that uh, Inter used to love to call themselves Pazza Inter and be kind of the loony club in Italy. But it's... Even the new signings, they've gelled in well. The overall, yeah. um, the manager is getting along with everyone. I mean, there's there's very few places where you could say Inter haven't handled themselves well. And I'm sure there's also an element of uh, Scheiner Freuden with uh, Lukaku having a particularly dull season in uh, London and uh, Hakimi kind of being booed off, stay off uh, the pitch and the fans not celebrating with PSG when they won the league. So Inter have... Whatever happens at the end of the season, I think they've they've had a fantastic season and uh, credit has to go to Inzaghi. Yeah, absolutely. And I think credit also has to go to the midfield. I was reading a stat, um, I I think it was in the Gazzetta, that was just showing the the number of goals uh, that Inter's midfield have been involved in this season. And and, uh, it's quite astonishing the, the it's basically double the number that any of the teams around them have um uh, have you know posted so 
I think if they do win win the league this year, it will be in no small part down to that that trio Brozovic, Barella, and uh, unfortunately Boaz Chalanoglu as well. I know you don't like to hear it, but um, I mean, I think if you look at two of out of three of those names, th- those are some of the best midfielders in Serie A and potentially some of the best midfielders in Europe. And besides the fact that they wear the wrong shirt in Milan, for me personally, they're a joy. Both yeah. Brozovic and Barella are a joy to watch. I still have uh, a lot of reservations about Hakan, and I have to say that I've always had reservations about him, even when he was a Milan player. He's very hot and cold, yeah. but yeah, his contribution this year has been also pretty good. Yeah, and also I I should say he's also um, seems to be have a penchant for um, scaring Dumfries out of his skin every day <laughs> on a weekly basis when they're in, in when they're bunking together. So seems like that's actually quite funny. <laughs> Yeah, um, you mentioned there about uh, Inter having two more games to play than than Milan. They seem to have had that game in hand in Serie A for, for ages, but finally Inter travelled to Bologna on Wednesday night, uh, which is the day after we're, we're recording. Um, arguably, Bologna are in the same boat as Inter heading into this uh, after you know a, a game at the weekend. You might think the trickier test probably for Inter will come uh, Udinese at the weekend, given that Udinese will have had will have you know, fresher legs with the full week off. But Bologna are pretty unpredictable. I mean, I don't know. They've picked up some results where you don't expect them and then picked up some absolutely awful results elsewhere. Are, are you expecting a comfortable Inter win in this or is there a potential uh, a potential surprise in the offing? Bologna did hold Milan to a draw at San Siro. So anything can happen in Serie A. But as, I, as I've said a couple of times and probably I'm maybe trying to employ a Scudetto curse a little bit, but I do, <laughs> I do, I do feel that uh, Inter should, uh, should win this one. That being said, Medel is back. He's, uh, he was supposed to be banned for two, two matches and uh, they managed to appeal one of those matches. So at least they'll have uh, an enforcer in, in the midfield. But if you look at uh, the Inter's quality across the pitch, uh, I, think, I think they should win this comfortably. Yeah, yeah, they should do. Uh, and uh, you spoke about... Milan and Inter both potentially potentially winning every single game left. And we also spoke about Milan having, you know, arguably the, the tougher run. But I do still think there are a couple of uh, tricky tricky games for them. I mean, Udinese coming up at the weekend. Um, you know, Udinese have taken points off of, I think they've taken points off of Milan in both games this season. They've taken points off of Lazio in both games. They've taken points off of Roma. Uh, and they've also got to play Cagliari after, you know, just days after that uh, Coppa Italia final. I'm not completely convinced that Inter are home and dried. Do you seriously think they go on to take full points from these five remaining games? How realistic is that? I think if you look at um, the team's budget at the beginning of the season, you would say that Inter are the supposed uh, champions elect, uh, whereas Milan have the fifth highest budget, so they shouldn't even be in the Champions League spot technically. But yeah. uh, football is a funny old game, and um, I'm not. I wouldn't compare Milan to Leicester City because I think the caliber of club is very different. But at the same time, after more than ten years without a scudetto, this this would feel like a a true strong or true uh, achievement. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely would. Uh, we have to we have to move on. We have to speak about Napoli this week. We we simply have to after I, let's start off with the collapse against Empoli, which kind of seems to have kicked off this chain chain of events. They were two 0 up against Empoli with ten minutes left and managed to 
to conspire to lose the game 3-2. They've got one point in three games. Where's it all gone wrong uh, for Napoli? I've been saying all along that Napoli would fall off at some point, And of course, it's happened a lot later than I predicted it would. But ultimately, I, I didn't buy the story that uh, Napoli's squad was as good as Inter's or was one of the best in the league. I think they're still lacking some key players in key areas, particularly left back. That being said, I think it's just uh, this particular game against Empoli was probably a, a blip. I think you can't really attribute it to anything else. Uh, mm. Maybe Spalletti's subs were a little bit dubious, but to concede three goals against a team that hadn't won since November, I believe, is uh, uh, you, yeah. I don't, it's just uh, one of those things that happens. That being said, I, the whole uh, spirit of the camp feels like it's uh, slightly dropped. And when you have to look at uh, the past three or four managers at uh, Napoli and the results are just pretty much more or less the same. So um, maybe the manager is not the problem. And the problem yeah. is the, the players or even the president who switches managers every couple of seasons. Yeah, and I mean, you, you alluded to it there, the rumours of Spalletti potentially being sacked, which is just complete madness, if if you ask me, given where the club was when he took over and given, you know, what you know the position that Spalletti got them into, how quickly he transformed. What was re- realistically, you know, pretty much the same group of players that um, exactly. were there. So it seems complete madness to me. And... Uh, more Aurelio De Laurentiis madness, uh, if you ask me, is this imposition of a, a ritiro on, on the club. A lot of people have said basically he's treating the players as as if they were like naughty teenagers. I mean, saying that they're going to go into this training camp until the end of the season, uh, which I, I don't see what it's meant to achieve, if I'm honest. it's hmm. uh, I mean, they're not going to win the league. They certainly don't look like they're going to miss out on Champions League. Uh, just a complete shambles. And I don't know how you feel about this, Buzz, but I, I think you have to feel sorry for Insigne, who's going to end his illustrious time at the club, essentially in some sort of a prison camp. So first of all, I want to dust off one of my um, Scudetto catchphrases and say that uh, Spalletti is an absolute weirdo, and by all accounts. And... Uh, <laughs> And so uh, he's he's like, a lovable weirdo though. Yeah, yeah, and he, but he's like he's a strange person to interact with apparently for players. At the same time, as you've said, the work he's done with a group of players who ultimately are more or less the same players that even Ancelotti had has been amazing. And just to achieve Champions League success uh, would be more than Gattuso achieved last year. So I think Spalletti definitely deserves another year, and maybe with the right personnel and again a left back. They, they might be able to push uh, Milan, Inter, or next year, hopefully, for Italia, for Serie A, Juventus, to the to the title race. Yeah, yeah. and talking about weirdos and talking about Juventus, uh, Juve keep doing Allegri things. Most recently, of course, grabbing that late winner last night after having been, in my opinion, outplayed by Sassuolo, who had pretty much, I think they had twice as many shots they had more shots on target. They had more possession. And I was looking at InfoGoal earlier, and Sassuolo had double the XG. But I think mm. you've you've got to hand it to Allegri. We, we complain about him a lot just because, as a neutral, it's really, really boring as hell football to watch. Uh, and it might be tough to watch. But given that 
we had them down as possibly not even making the Champions League a couple of months back. And of course, we can attribute that as well to Atalanta's complete collapse that they find themselves where they do. But what do you make of the fact that they're now sitting so comfortably in fourth? Until the match we mentioned earlier against Inter at home, it felt like Juventus might even have a smidgen of a title chance or at least could have pushed uh, yeah. Milan and Inter for who, or whoever for the second spot. After that loss, they, they kind of slightly fell out of uh, gear. But still, the, the run they've been on since the beginning of the season has been pretty good overall. And with, with the exception of the first three or four games that, as we, we mentioned at the time, they were bottom uh, or towards bottom. And these last few games, they, they've won a lot of games. It's not been great, but I think I think Allegri probably enjoys the winning ugly more than the winning pretty. Yeah, I think famously so. Um, right, we'll we'll get on to speak about Roma uh, shortly because they obviously are the the last Italian team standing in Europe. But before we do that, I mean, all sorts of drama at the bottom of the league as well. Genoa getting that last minute or the 89th minute winner against Cagliari, I believe it was. Salernitana, who we had all, well, I certainly had, but I think we had collectively written off getting a, a really impressive and unlikely win against Fiorentina. And that's three wins in a row. And they're now only three points off Cagliari, who must surely be looking over their shoulders nervously. Venezia, on the other hand, in a really, really tough place. They've, they've now gone eight games or I should say they've, they've had eight Serie A losses in a row but do we agree Venezia are pretty much doomed or are we doing the reverse Scudetto curse here that, that that we kind of did on Salernitana? It slightly pains me to say it because Venezia is quite a nice experience away and also the club seems to be run in quite a decent fashion but as you mentioned the, the results on the pitch just have not been up to scratch and I feel that where they are at now it, it would going to be quite hard to pull themselves out of it but that yeah. being said we we did kind of uh pronounce uh Salernitana dead all the way back in October November and uh with these three matches one in a row there's suddenly there's a breath of hope in their in their lungs so who knows uh it's it's definitely very exciting at the bottom probably not for the right reasons because some of these teams have put in some horrible runs throughout the season but now when it's uh crunch time there seem to be uh pulling out some unexpected results and I'm definitely following the bottom of the table more than I'm following a lot of uh, other mid-table sides right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it certainly would be really, really sad to to lose Venezia uh, to Serie A because, yeah, like like you said, they've been a breath of fresh air seeing all of the, the videos of the, the ultras and, uh, and the like, you know, on the bolts, on the way to the games, um, all of their... I mean, just their kits, everything they do on social media. They're just like, they're a really likable club, I think. But I mean, out of the other three, I guess you'd say Cagliari are in the are, are in trouble. They, they had seemed safe, really. But Cagliari, Salernitana, Genoa, if you had to pick one, who do you fancy out of those three to stay up? So if you had asked me this question a few weeks ago, I would have probably bet my uh, mortgage on Cagliari, which is a bit of a bizarre statement. Do you not have a mortgage? Or? A, I don't have a mortgage, <laughs> crucially, but also, um, I mean, Cagliari haven't been so hot this season. But uh, I'm starting to believe Salernitana could just surprise us. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly looking like it. It was three wins in a row. And I think there's a lot of direct matches between the the, the bottom clubs as well. So it's going to be really, really 
not sure if it's exciting if you're one of the fan if you're a fan of one of those clubs but uh, as a neutral certainly very very exciting there was a lot of uh, criticism of the fixture computer because obviously there there's been a severe lack of matches between the top 6 uh, teams since uh, february but it looks like uh, the uh, the machine decided to pit all these uh, the yeah. top of the bottom against one another which is always fun to watch yeah yeah absolutely high stakes games uh right okay so let's speak about leicester roma roma we can't spend too long on it obviously because there's been so much to get through um but like i said the last italian team in uh, in europe in the conference league semi-final um with that that game against leicester coming up on thursday i have to admit i quietly fancy roma for this one boaz what do you reckon well, considering they managed to beat um, some Norwegian part-timers at the fourth time of asking, <laughs> I think yes. the Roma season has kind of geared itself towards this uh, competition. And although, as you mentioned earlier, they, they had been on an incredible run in Serie A, not, not always winning with merit, but uh, kind of showing grit at the very least and showing some character. But I feel that their game has improved throughout the season and Particularly in this competition, they've they've grown. Obviously, I I mentioned Bodo Glimt earlier. They they did somehow manage to lose six one away, and uh, famously Mourinho threw half his squad under the bus, and some of those players are not even at the club anymore. So um, yeah. it's it's going to be interesting. Leicester are obviously uh, n- not going to be an easy uh, opposition, and they have a pedigree, and they've also gotten to a semi final of uh, European competition, albeit this European competition. So I think it'll be an interesting game. And obviously the Roma fans are right behind it because the ticket sold out within less than 24 hours. Yeah, an impressive uh, impressive response there. Um, we, we don't really have a best of the rest this week uh, just because we had so much to, to get through. But I do very, very quickly just want to speak about Serie B because Lecce uh, appear to be on the verge of uh, securing their return to, to Serie A there. Two points ahead of Cremonese and four ahead of Monza, but obviously playoffs and uh, and all sorts to come in in Serie B as well. Um, but let's move on to. You should also uh, mention uh, that Bari were promoted to. Um, we should to yes, boys. Serie B because that's another uh, quote unquote classic Serie A side from the Absolutely. late eighties, nineties, and also they they play in that horrible white elephant of an of a stadium which is the <laughs> renzo piano design stadium which is very nice architecturally but really has nothing to do with the game of football yeah yeah well apparently there are all sorts of compromises that had to be made because they got funding from the italian olympic committee or something so that's why they ended up with a running track around it and i don't know um, yeah, apparently there's uh because of the way the stadium is built and i'm i'm more not very good for this format, but I'm actually seeing a picture of it in front of me right now. Oh, but, right. Uh, because of the way it's built, there's wind gusts that go right through the stadium and the ball flies all weird and it's really cold in the winter and too hot in the summer. So generally... Can they like, do it on a cold, windy night in Bari? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, on that note, boys, let's go to good week, bad week. Uh, I mean, I think we've covered all of the teams in this section. So... I'm Good week. I think our nominees are, two of them are, are right down in the relegation dogfight. Genoa with that last minute winner. Salernitana for beating Fiorentina and going three games, uh, three three wins on the trot. Empoli, I think we have to 
throw in the hat as well for for that comeback win against Napoli. Who would you nominate as your pick for good week? I have to say I'm slightly disappointed that uh, Genoa didn't continue to draw every single game throughout the whole season, <laughs> uh, but instead have decided to outrageously win and lose games. But that being said, it, it was a great result for them. But I, I do think that uh, having mentioned them quite a lot earlier on, I think Salernitana have been a breath of fresh air. And I was quite uh, cynical of, of their chances. And if you remember, they drew with Milan at San Siro quite a few months ago. And I, I thought that was a shocking result. But all things being said, maybe it wasn't uh, so shocking after all. And uh, we didn't mention earlier, but Davide Nicola said that uh, should they win promotion, should they not get relegated, He's going to go by foot to visit the Pope and he's got priors for this. So I hope for his good that they that they do not get rele- they don't get relegated. But at the same time that he's fresh for this crazy walk he's planning. Yeah. Uh, OK, so good week, Salernitana. I'd I'd back that up. Uh, bad week. I mean, there's only two sides. It could be Venezia, uh, eighth league defeat in a row or Napoli throwing away a 2-0 lead with 10 minutes to go against the uh, against Empoli, who hadn't won since God knows when. Who should, should should I nominate this one first? I'm I'm going to say just for the fact... No, I'm, I'm going to say Napoli. I was going to say just for the fact that the teams around them all won and that Venezia finally look like they're confined to, to Serie B, Venezia. But let's leave that. Uh, hopefully, we for, for Venezia's sake, we won't be giving them bad week when that it becomes mm. formal. But I, I'm going to go for Napoli this week. I'm going to have to back you up because um, I think it's a, almost a vote for the past month or so. But specifically for this game, they, they kind of lost their heads. And to lose 3-2 after leading 2-0 at home is just ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I think also the the, the merit disaster uh, for for the equalizer as well. was. He's pretty... not playing on merit. No, not off the back of that anyway. Uh, right, Boaz, here comes your theme music, also known as the Italian National Anthem, for keeping up with the Italians. Let's be honest, there's been a lot of uh, information and a lot of goals in a lot of big leagues and pointless leagues in the last since we've been last recording, so I'm not going to go into all of them. I'll, I've cherry-picked two for you, Kenny. One is uh, Sharon Doerr, who we mentioned earlier in the season, uh, who completed what was an extraordinary season for him by lifting the UEFA Youth League trophy and also scoring in the 6-0 victory for Sporting Lisbon in the final. Or Sporting Club de Portugal. Sport Lisboa e Benfica. Oh, right. Right, okay. And... <laughs> and next I have uh, Andrea Compagno who's quietly reached uh, 50 appearances for Football Club Universitat 1948 over in Romania and also scored a goal to reach double figures. So... We, you've got Italians doing it in uh, less fancied leagues, which is always nice to see. Yeah, Italians do it better in less fancied leagues. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for that, Boaz. Very brief, but, but very nicely picked. I'll be back uh, next time uh, yeah. with nonsense goals from far-flung countries. Well, we look forward to your regular weekly updates on the Turkish league. Uh, right. Let's move on to our honourable and dishonourable mentions. Boaz, let's start off on... On a serious note, uh, with an honourable mention for Sinisa Mihailovic. Yeah, we have to give an honourable to Sinisa, who was announced recently that his uh, leukaemia had returned. And obviously he's kind of taken a leave of absence from managing Bologna and is uh, looking after himself. 
obviously he has uh, access to the world's best doctors, so we we can stay positive. But it's it's a horrible disease, and there's not too many words you can say. It just sucks that that it's come back. Yeah, and wish him all the all the the very best. And his family, yeah, yeah, and and his family as well. Uh, right, I'm going to uh, move on to. Uh, it feels wrong to, to have a dishonorable, but this is the way I've uh, noted it down uh, after that. But I'm going to give a dishonorable to Warner Brothers for suing Parma. I, I know that you were saying to me that you think that this should possibly be a dishonorable for, for Parma, but essentially this is because Parma put Buffon in his uh, famed Superman t shirt for his unveiling in the summer. Um, and obviously, they hadn't received the rights to use the logo. So, I mean, it, it's a it's a, a pitiful amount by f- football club standards. I think fifteen thousand euros or something that they were fined. But still, it kind of feels like I don't know. Did did they have to? I mean, I think the video in question has uh, the Superman logo sent front and center, and uh, <laughs> and it's like it's a pretty strong element of it. So, from my point of view, maybe they could have just called someone at Warner and said, look, we've got this legendary player we're signing. Can we please use your logo? And I'm sure they would have been quite cool with it. Yeah, probably for the cost of about 15,000 euros. Right, Boaz, an honorable mention for Marco Verratti. I did mention earlier that PSG have won their 10th league title. But uh, what is particularly special for a podcast focusing on Italian football is that Marco Verratti has become the player who has won most uh, Ligans in, in the history with his eighth victory. And considering this is a player who's never graced Serie A, it's, it's, a, it's a shame for me personally, but such a great player. Yeah, yeah, a hugely underrated player still. And we've kind of managed to completely not mention the Macedonia result, fortunately, because... Until now. I still have nightmares about that tonight, but uh, if <laughs> anyone... If anyone um, has to be saved or from that match is it's Verratti who still did perform like a Champions League player. Yeah, right. I'm going to do my goals honourable this week. It's going to go to Brozovic for his second goal in Inter's 3-1 demolition of, uh, of Roma. Maybe demolition is a bit harsh, but just really beautiful, fluid move, lovely lofted through ball um, and loads still to do for, for Brozovic to kind of fashion the the opportunity but great footwork and then fired it into the top corner uh, lovely stuff great goal that's that's getting my my goals honorable this week uh Boaz, you've got an honorable mention for Giorgio Chiellini Giorgio Chiellini announced that he's retiring from Italy after the following the match against Argentina uh this bizarre friendly that's being played I don't need to say it but he was front and center in the the Euro victory and despite his uh tenure with the Azzurri not really matching any great performances in uh, the World Cup or uh, or indeed the Euro besides last year. Uh, you have to say that he was always a warrior and someone that opposing teams kind of feared but also respected. And he's kind of one of the last uh, uh, remaining classic Italian defenders, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to give an honourable mention to Carlo Ancelotti for becoming the first coach in history to reach the Champions League semi-final stage in four different decades, which is pretty mind-blowing if you ask me. There might be another uh, honourable mention coming up for for Carlo Ancelotti because he's also one point away from winning La Liga, which would make him the first manager to, to ever win all top five European leagues. But we're not going to give him an honourable for that. 
just yet because we don't want to jinx it. Boaz, uh, did you have anything to add, to add on Ancelotti? Or, just uh, needs one point. I think I think it's uh, <laughs> yeah. pretty much guaranteed, but we'll see. You'd like to you'd like to think so. Boaz, honourable for Serie A Feminile. Yeah, it was announced just uh, quite recently that uh, Serie A Feminile is going to go fully professional from the 1st of June. And this is the first um, uh, women's league in Italy, that women's sport league in Italy to, to do this. And I think it's a it's a great sign. And we've mentioned in the past that the the some of the clubs in Italy are really starting to invest in their in women's football. And uh, you you can see it in Milan and Juventus who did had a pretty good uh, showing in the Champions League. And these teams are also getting uh, much more uh, uh, focus on them from the club's social media channels. And I think it's great to see. And I think uh, it's it's great for future generations. Yeah. Long may it continue. Uh, right, my final my final mention is going to be a dishonorable for Claudio Lutito. Uh, surprise, surprise. After Lazio Ultras left the Milan game in protest, he said uh, something along the lines of, if they don't come to the stadium, where else are they going to find to get into fights? Uh, which <laughs> doesn't seem like the best PR move. Uh, so yes, yet another dishonorable mention for for Claudio Lotito for me. Boaz, you have got a dishonorable, and I can't believe you're going to do this, but you've got a dishonorable mention for Gigi Buffon. Why do you have to do it? This feels like an episode of uh, kind of déjà vu's because we mention someone, give him kind of a little bit of praise, and then we take it all back a few <laughs> yeah. minutes later. But uh, Buffon, Superman, as we mentioned earlier, was uh, guilty of uh, taking his eyes off. He took his eyes off the ball and. A ball slipped under his foot and it was quite an easy goal for the opposing striker. And I hate to say this, but maybe his age is slightly starting to catch up with him because the the slip of mind is fine. But then the pace he didn't show in trying to catch up was uh, a little bit tragic. And maybe that was the reason why Warner Brothers is suing them because (laughs) he really was not Superman in that case. No, no, fair enough. Okay, and that um, is all we've actually got time for this week. So, uh, as ever, I want to thank all of the listeners. Thank you, Boaz, to you as it's well. It's great to be back. Yeah, it is. It is good to be back. Please do uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio. Until next week, enjoy the football. La Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il titolo del 2008, l'Inter è campione d'Italia, sedicesimo scudetto della squadra nella Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.